Welcome to the Canada edition of the Basketball Show. I'm your host, Paul Sir, and I'm glad to be with you today. I'm going to be talking about the Canadian Elite Basketball League today, and I'm going to focus on two Western teams, the Fraser Valley Bandits and the Edmonton Stingers. My first interview is with Kyle Julius. Kyle was the head coach of the Bandits last year, but because of his commitments overseas, he wasn't sure whether or not he was going to be able to be back and coach this year, so he took on the role of general manager. And as all things Kyle does, he does it to the best of his ability. Kyle is a competitor. He certainly was as a player, and he certainly is as a coach. So Kyle and I talk about the early season success of the Bandits. At the time of our conversation, the Bandits were 4-0. and They've lost two since then, but this is a very competitive person leading a very competitive franchise, and they have every intention of competing for the title this year in the CEBL. My second interview is with my partners on the Edmonton Stingers broadcast on CEBL Plus and CBC Gem, Doug McLean and Mark Majot. Mark, Doug, and I have had the opportunity to work together for the first three games on the CEBL Plus CBC Gem uh, platforms to, br- to bring the games to you. The first game of the year was brought to you by CBC on the main network, but we were able to get together and work these next three games. So we've had an up-close and personal look at the Edmonton Stingers, which are 4-0 and at the time, again, of this broadcast, and they're getting ready to play tonight. But the Stingers look like the dominant team that has not missed a beat and, in fact, is even tougher than the CEBL championship season that they had last year in the bubble out in Niagara, Ontario. The CEBL uh, is off to a great start this year, and the Stingers are no exception to that with the play of two-time MVP Xavier Moon, outstanding Canadian Jordan Baker, Matthew Kamba, Adika Peter McNeely, and then some new additions that have contributed right out of the gate that have made the Stingers thus far a formidable adversary. So I look forward to sharing that conversation with Doug, with Mark, and with you most importantly. So here are our interviews focusing on the CEBL on the Canada edition of the Basketball Show. I'm talking with the GM of the Fraser Valley Bandits. He coached the team last year. This year, he's in the front office. And uh, Kyle Julius, you're off to a great start in Fraser Valley. What would your what would your assessment be of your early season success? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, you know, we're really pleased with the you know when you when you build a team, you have a vision, right? And that vision started about five months ago. You know, working with Dylan in the front office, we. We, we, uh, you know, I, I'm, I coach in Taiwan basically year round right now. So we didn't think I was going to be able to be home and coach for the summer. So we thought that, you know, staying as the GM allowed me to, you know, still be a part of it. So we, we, we made that decision. That was step one. And then step two is hiring a coaching staff. And that's difficult to do. It was, it was a challenge uh, because like you and I were speaking about kind of uh, off air earlier, you know, I'm a grinder and, and we built the team kind of with that, you know, in mind philosophically last year, we wanted to continue to do that, you know, so we had to go out and find a coaching staff that could continue that for us. And then, you know, we put the team together defensively first. I'm a big defensive guy. I love, you know, my team's 
we, you know, uh, we focus offensively playing five out shooting the three and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but for me, I, I try to hang my hat, you know, defensively. Cause I always feel like our teams will default to that. Right. You know, you're not going to shoot the ball well every night. So uh, it's been a great, it's been a great four games to kind of watch our vision come to life, Paul. I think we're playing really well defensively. I think, uh, you know, you can tighten your screws offensively all the time, especially our group, you know, short training camp guys are together new for the first time, new coaching staff, even these, these, these coaches that we hired have to learn each other. So they've had a bit of a challenge in, in itself. They didn't really know each other all the way. So uh, yeah, I'm, you know, four games, it's not much, but, but we look good defensively and that makes me feel good. Talk about the impact of your coaching overseas. And this isn't your first overseas coaching stint, uh, Kyle. But talk about the impact of knowing the FIBA game from that end and bringing that back to Canada for a summer league in the CEBL. Yeah, so my my whole coaching career, this will be my eight, just uh, about to start my eighth uh, season. It's been all FIBA. So that was great, you know, uh, getting into the CEBL. I think I had an advantage on some of the other coaches, especially coming from the G League, right? And, you know, this is a rough, this is a cutthroat business. You got to find your edge wherever you can find it. And so that, that's been helpful. Um, I think the last year we all had to adapt to the Elam, which is, you know, incredibly interesting to say the least. And I could talk on that for hours, but uh, yeah. So just the, the FIBA game playing overseas also, you know, there's so much craziness in playing overseas, Paul. So many things can happen, go right, go wrong, go up, go down, sideways, backwards, whatever. I think jumping into the pandemic season last year with the with the CEBL was it was just like another another crazy, I don't know, month kind of thing for me in my coaching career. And then the and then you got the Elam and then the quarantines and all these different things. So uh, yeah, I think working overseas, it prepares you for, you're not, you're not always prepared for everything, but you're kind of used to things going wrong. And uh, I guess that's the best way to describe my experience overseas is I'm used to things going wrong. Well, what I love about that, Kyle, is oftentimes the assumption is, wow, you're playing or you're coaching overseas, the glamour, the travel, you're seeing the world. That's the favorite statement. You get to see the world, which is true, but you get to see the world through the real lens, not the the perceived lens. And uh, boy, oh boy, when you talk about things going wrong, would you say it's a true statement? you're better off preparing for things to go wrong than for things to go right and be adaptable. Very true. Very true. Yeah. We, you know, adapt and overcome is one of the, you know, one of the terms I use in, in, you know, my, we have like what we call 20 steps to success. I built it, you know, my, my dad and I, he helped me build it. You know, it's like a recruiting criteria. It's a combination of how we want to carry ourselves as coaches. It's a combination of how we want our players and our teams to carry themselves. And yeah, one of the 20 steps is about, you know, being, being able to adapt, you know, coaching in Asia, the last couple of years, the officiating and style of play is, you know, different than my experience in Europe, different, excuse me, different than my experience in Canada, different than my experience in CEBL. And so you have to kind of always adapt. I think it's calmed me a little bit. I'm a, I'm an emotional guy. You know, I'm from that, that school of, you know, passion worn on my sleeve for better or for worse. So uh, I think just all the different experiences have calmed me uh, a little bit, (laughs) you know, But, but, but I think to your point though, Kyle, and I'm speaking with Kyle Julius, the general manager of the Fraser Valley bandits undefeated team, the only undefeated team along with the Edmonton stingers in the CEBL in this early part of the season. But I, I, I think calming yourself 
to what can happen is a big part of it, especially in a short, I would guess, especially in a shortened season, because yeah. you're relying on chemistry and uh, yeah. both coaches and players coming together faster, aren't you? Yes, exactly right. You know, so, you know, we have a culture or I have a coaching philosophy and a culture, and I tried to pick the team and the staff based on that philosophy. You're never going to be a hundred percent, right? Paul, you're never going to bat a thousand, but my goal is 80%. So if I have 80% of my team and my coaching staff, you know, like-minded people, you know, that believe in what I believe in, you know, then they can pull along the rest of the group. And then, you know, whether we win or, or, or lose, at least we'll all be on the same page. And that's the key to the shortened seasons in the CEBL, especially, right. Is having, uh, having the group cohesive um, and, and able to, uh, you know, fight hard and play hard for each other. Right. Kyle, what does the CEBL mean to basketball in Canada, in your opinion? Uh I don't know. I don't know the best way to describe it, but the, 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 the first word that comes to mind is everything. You know, it means everything. You know, when I, when I was, I was struggling overseas back in the mid 2000s or uh, yeah, mid 2000s. And I couldn't get a, you know, I couldn't get a job overseas for whatever reason here or there or bad, bad situation. I had nothing to come home to, you know, and, and I've seen these guys, Paul, in the summer in a CEBL play really well. And it's not only given them individual confidence, but it's given them an opportunity to, to showcase themselves and maybe get a job. I mean, I really wished I had had that, you know, play in front of friends and family. But then there's that younger generation that sees these great players that they don't know about, right? The younger generation knows about, you know, the Jamal Murray's, right? And, and the, the Shays and all these other guys, but they don't know how good, you know, uh, Alex Campbell is, right? Or Jordan Baker is, right? Or Xavier Moon um, and some of these other guys. And I think I see it in Asia where we bring these high-level imports over and these young Taiwanese or Filipino kids get to see this high-level basketball because they have good, strong domestic leagues, I think our league and CEBL is very strong. It's only going to get stronger. And I just think the biggest thing is the younger generation seeing players that they would otherwise never see than those same players getting an opportunity that they would otherwise never get. So in a nutshell, it's everything to the game in Canada. It really is. It's pure, right? Alex Campbell and these players are playing, you know, they're not getting rich in the CEBL. Not yet, not yet, but they're, it's helping, right? Uh, I'm not disrespecting the pay by any means. It's, it's helping them, but they're playing because they love the game. Like they, they want to play in the summer. They want more exposure. They want to compete. They want to fight for a championship. You know, they want to be seen as, you know, Canada's best and, and the CEBL is providing that opportunity. So I think it's everything. I think that's a great summary. Now I do have to ask you briefly, because like you said, you could go on for hours, the Elam ending. I have an opinion on it, but I want your opinion before I share mine. Everybody knows I speak my mind uh, from a coaching standpoint. I don't like, I don't like it. I don't love it. I don't love it, but I will be honest. I am also a fan of the game and, and I think it's amazing for the fans. I really do. And I think it, you know, I try and put myself in my playing days. I would have loved it too. If there, if we needed a three and I'm coming across half, I'm not passing that thing to anybody. I'm, <laughs> I'm, put, I'm putting that thing up. Right. And so, uh, you know, I watched yesterday, uh, two days ago, I watched Saskatchewan and uh, Niagara play. Both teams needed a three right? Neither team fouled really interesting, right? If I'm, if you're beating me by three and, or sorry, I'm beating you by three and all you need is a three to, to win, you know, I'm fouling you every time putting you on the foul line. So it makes for some really fun strategic, uh, you know, scenarios, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's quick. It's fun. It's uh, you can't relax. The, I'd say the one reason I don't like it coaching is because 
you're better than me. Let's say, Paul, you're way better than me. Right. And, and it happens. There's always a better team. Right. And, but you know, I can beat you cause maybe I scouted properly and you know, we're engaged and we're locked in and we have a great game plan and I'm beating you by seven with three and a half, four minutes left in a real game or normal game. All I have to do is I kind of close the game out, right. Play some defense, take good shots, close the game out and I'll get, I'll get a upset win. I'll get an unprecedented win maybe. But now I got to score another nine points. I might not be able to do that. I might not real. that might be really difficult for me. And so that's the one aspect that I think I miss as a coach, because I've taken on jobs the last couple of years where I've definitely not been the better team. I can honestly tell you, I've been hired to do some cultural rebuilds and things like that. And so from that standpoint, it's hard to put up another nine. The other thing I don't like about it is uh, maybe I want to play some of my U sports players a little more at the end. Cause I got a lead. Maybe I want to play a bench kid. Who's, you know, doesn't play for a lot of money and really sacrifices a lot to be on the team. And I got to score another nine. So maybe that's not the best idea to put him in. I think you lose those couple things, but in all reality, it's fun as heck. It's exciting. And uh, I think it's brilliant by the CEBL. But when I put my coach's hat on, I'll always kind of tell you what I like and, and don't like. So that's my two cents and a bit on it. Well, I, I like the two cents, and you brought up a couple of points I hadn't thought of. The, the one statement I would make about it is I think it's the perfect ending for a summer league because yeah, it, adds, it adds some time certainty to the yep. experience because, sure. as we know, you do lose some fan interest when you get into the hard – not so much in FIBA basketball. The NBA can beat the last two minutes to death, yep. but CBL, it's a lot tougher, but – but I think, yeah. I, I think overall it's been a fun, exciting, and visionary step by the part of the CBL. Well, I, I can see I'm, – I'm actually surprised. I don't see – like, you know, we, we, where I coach in Asia, it's really big business and, uh, you know, big crowds, sponsorships, uh, TV deals. I'm actually surprised it hasn't come on over there. I think you'll see it. Um, it's just so fun for the fans, right? It really is. And, and what I love about the CEBL is – they're trying so hard to make it a fun fan experience that transcends just basketball, which is very wise on their part. Yeah. And the, with the ownership they have, it's just, it gives the league, I think a real shot to go coast to coast and to become the legacy league that they envision it to be. I I'm that's why I'm here, Paul, to be honest, I I'm, I'm excited to be on for the ride. You know, when I, when I knew I couldn't come home this summer uh, just with COVID and everything, I was fortunate to be able to stay on as GM because I, I do believe in the league. And, and as you mentioned, I do see it being that, that legacy league. I do see it. Well, Kyle, I think the league is benefiting from your staying on and being a part of it in spite of the obstacles you had to overcome because you bring that experience. And, and what I think you're doing is you're teaching the rest of the league what might have to happen in some situations to really embrace how to build a team for the CEBL. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. It's been my experience. You know, I, I think I tell people when they talk about the way we built the team and I just talk about the failures that I've had over the last seven or eight seasons and, you know, knowing, learning what not to do more so than what to do. Right. That's, that's been key in this, in building this team here in, in Fraser Valley for sure. Well, they're benefiting from your experience, Kyle, uh, your, your expertise and mostly from your passion. So Kyle Julius, general manager of the Fraser Valley Bandits. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Paul. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to The Basketball Show. I'm your host, Paul Sir. I am pleased to bring in two colleagues that I have had the privilege of doing three broadcasts with for the Edmonton Stingers in the CEBL, Doug McLean and Mark Mijot. 
Doug and Mark, it is great to be with you today. It's a pleasure to see you again, Paul and Doug. Well, the pleasure is all yours. No, I'm (laughs) just joking. Uh, Fellas, we've had three games now. Uh, Dominant performance last night against Saskatchewan. Uh, Two games that the Singers, for all intents and purposes, had control of. Uh, First game, it kind of not came down to the wire, but it was it was close. Singers took care of business in the second. But you have to say right now, with Fraser Valley having its first loss, that all of the eyes in the CEBL are on the Stingers as the team defending champion, core back. Uh, Let's go to 30,000 feet first, Doug. Your thoughts on the Stingers thus far? I think you're right, Paul. They've shown in the games that I've seen, they've shown an, an incredible balance throughout their lineup. And I think even a bit of a, a, a resilience. And that was more in the Niagara game where they had a big early lead. Niagara closed in and made it a little bit tighter in the second half, but the stingers don't blink like nothing bothers them. Like even the last two games where both Ottawa and Saskatchewan have gotten off to pretty good starts. You, you see some teams that are maybe a little less experienced I won't say panic, but their game changes. They start to shift different things. They start looking for threes. They're starting to do things that are out of their individual comfort zones. This team doesn't change. Like game, like moment to moment, they're the same at both ends of the floor. And and we were commenting, I think in the game on Monday against Ottawa, there was a play, Brady Skeens, who mentioned his name quite a bit. And just the end-to-end nonstop intensity and aggressiveness, and they're in your face all over the floor. And that's just so exhausting. I mean, I've never played at this level, but even levels I have played at, you hate playing against teams and players that are just go, go, go nonstop for 40 minutes. And that's what this team has shown so far. Now, they haven't played the Fraser Valleys yet. Niagara's come on. They beat Hamilton of one four in a row. But I think from what I've seen of this team so far, they're going to be tough to beat because they don't blink and they just have an engine that just never slows down. Yeah, the engine that never slows down, it leads me right into what I was going to say about Xavier Moon, right? He's been leading this team on offense, and he gets back on defense, and, you know, when he's not going, the balance all over the court that this team has, you know, yeah, if if Moon's not going, then Jordan Baker is warming up. Then it's, you know, Brady Skeens, who you just mentioned. They seem to have a team that's assembled of players who have a really high basketball IQ and also really good motors is to just jump on what Doug was saying as well. They just never quit. Like they're always in your face. They're always getting back defensively. They are all over the court. I I bet you some of the teams they have faced feels like the stingers have an extra player out there. That's how, that's how well they played through the first four games. And you're right. They haven't faced the Frazier Valley team yet, but you can only face who's been in front of you so far. And so far through four games, the stingers have really taken care of business through the three games we have broadcast together, plus the one that was on national uh, CBC, I think there's maybe been one quarter where the stingers really haven't been the better team. And you really can't ask for more through four games. You guys are hitting it right on the head. Uh, I I think we, we need to delve into basketball IQ and uh, and I'm going to present a scenario to both of you watching the game last night. I felt like, Certainly there was a talent difference, but what I thought really jumped out was the basketball IQ side of things. The Stingers have a lot of physical ability, but they translate that physical ability into plays, either structured or when they break down, that makes something special happen. And it's predicated 
by sharing the basketball in an intelligent way. Give me your thoughts, Mark, about how you feel watching them play and what they express, I'll use that term, on the court compared to their opponents. This Stinger team, obviously we've seen them the most up close, but it certainly seems like they have a chemistry that I haven't seen throughout the four opponents that they've played so far. Obviously the roster does change over from season to season, but the core from the Stinger team, it's kind of been carried forward now for now their their third, third consecutive year. So they just seem to know where the other guys are going to go all the time. If someone's rushing back to get a steal on defense, they know they're going to have probably two options sprinting right up the court ready to go and they can make some of those passes with their eyes closed now they don't make those passes with their eyes closed but they're such a fine-tuned machine right now it certainly feels like they could do that they're just guys that have played the game their their entire life and just have that instinct of where to go on the floor their spacing I thought has been phenomenal through four games and yeah I think that's you know a credit to this coaching staff but a credit to all the coaches these players have had throughout their career that they've been able to get these guys. It's almost like muscle memory now for a few of these players to get to that open spot and hit that open shot and make that extra pass. Your thoughts, Doug. Yeah, I think Mark's bang on. I mean, they're just that ability, the chemistry piece that we've seen, which considering the short training camp and the fact that the season has gotten rolling pretty quickly, I mean, it is quite amazing how much, how, how much in tune they seem to be right now. And even if you look at the players like Jamal Jones has come on, Brady Skeens has come on, and you're starting to see that depth formulate, which I was a little bit concerned about at the start of the year, and, and they're fitting right in as well. I mean, even the winning score last night, it's Jones on that inbound where he reads the back seal from Moon, lobs it over top, score and win. Like, just little things that this team is already starting to, to be able to do, I think puts them in a different, in a different level. And, and as you said, Paul, I mean, when things break down, again, there's no panic. Like there's no, you're not seeing a lot of four shots. You're not seeing guys try to take two guys on, uh, on their own. Like there's that team play still comes in, you know, whether they're running something structured or whether it has broken down. And I think all those signs are pretty, you know, point to a team that's pretty well in tune, has a pretty high IQ, not to mention, you know, Lost you there for a sec, Doug. If, if you're still with us, if you could start with not to mention. I think we lost him. I think so too. Doug, if you can hear us, uh, we, can, uh, we can take care of this in editing. Uh, uh, why don't uh, you just call back in? I'll go to you, Mark, on this. Mar- Mark, I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out, I'm going to throw this out to you. We've sung their, we've sung the stingers phrases. Uh, We haven't seen Fraser Valley. We're early in the season. This team is their core. Their their best players are together for the third consecutive season and everything's gone their way and they're shooting with incredible confidence what happens as teams get better, as shots stop falling, and as they get challenged more, and, and I'm going to put an asterisk by this, Mark, they may not. They may, they may not be challenged that much because they may be that much better than the rest of the league that that challenge that I'm describing right now may not come. 
I think it will in some shape or form. But but are we getting a little too much into the, my God, they're unbelievable, and then the biggest challenges are yet ahead? Yeah, that could very well be the case. But I, I said earlier, you can only play the teams that are in front of you so far. So uh, what happens when they when they face the Fraser Valley, we keep going to Fraser Valley, obviously the two top teams in, in, in the West, we have those dates circled on our calendar, but yeah, that's going to be two heavyweight boxers kind of exchanging punches. And what's going to happen when the stingers get a punch right in the jaw. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's one of my favorite quotes from Mike Tyson. And we haven't seen anything get punched in the face just yet, but I do think the resilience they have shown uh, might it's certainly going to be tested at some point. I don't think they're going to cruise through this season and go undefeated, but I think that shows the depth that they have on this team that if a Xavier Moon's not going one night, then that's the night that Jordan Baker picks it up. And if Jordan Baker doesn't have it, then a guy like Brady Skeens will pick it up. I think, and if we're looking for more scores, Matthew Camba's can be red hot from, from behind the line. There's Marlon Johnson Jr. You know, the, the list just goes on and on and on and on. And this is a team that has also been there before. We talk about the Saskatchewan team that won it all in 2019, the first year of the CEBL. Well, that team looks drastically different than the team that won. But this is the returning champs, right? They're going to get everyone's best shot every single night out there. And I'm excited for when... Listen, there's been close games. Like that game against Niagara was close. The first game against Hamilton was close. These haven't been blowouts. They've certainly had stretches, and they haven't been very long stretches, but they've been stretches where they've played from behind. But like you, I am kind of curious to see what happens when they have to play a quarter from behind or when they open halftime down from behind. They've been leading at half every single game so far. So curious to see what happens when they do face face the adversity we just haven't seen it yet but i do have confidence in the fact that these guys have been here before i completely i think that's a great summary i we won't know until and that is a great quote by the way mark the punch in the face (laughs) that's that's what tells the tale they haven't been challenged really challenged yet to play and fight from behind and they may not but i agree with you they have the on-court leadership and there's a couple of motors that we're referring to that I think, to me, almost transcend in their impact on the team, the greatness of Xavier Moon. And that, to me, is the steady and relentless play of Baker and Skeens. That they, to me, you talk about glue guys, these guys are glue sticks. And the little things they do, one side of the court to the other side of the court, on almost every play is really remarkable. And so much of it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Yeah. The term or the phrase you've used around Jordan Baker a lot this year is death by a thousand cuts. He really does it all offensively and defensively. And a lot of the stuff they're both incredibly skilled players. Don't get me wrong, but hustle is not a skill. And these guys certainly hustle. These guys are running their rear ends off to get back at both ends of the floor. And, you know, uh, I, I call the University of Alberta Golden Bears games with Doug. And we got, a, we got a close look at a player like Brody Clark for a few years who kind of did that role for the Stingers. And we didn't know how they were going to fill that. But Brady Skeens has certainly filled those shoes. And the Stingers haven't really m- missed a beat. Like Baker and Skeens are two players that – every single basketball team could use at every single level. 
you know, where the NBA finals are going on right now. I think both Phoenix and Milwaukee would love to have players that have motors like Baker and Skeens, who you mentioned all the stuff they do doesn't show up in, in the box score, but winning teams have those players that do the dirty work. Yeah. And, and they do it, you know, in a, a way that's really uncommon for glue guys, because when you have brutish, if you want to call that physical players, oftentimes they're Rick Mahorn for folks <laughs> who remember back to the, the very bloody physical uh, game of uh, NBA basketball and Mahorn was just a brute, but, but Skeens and, and Baker, uh, Doug don't, don't play like that. They're physical, but they're not only are they physical, they're not dirty and they're really smart and they, and they, they're thinking the game while they're using their physicality, which is one of my least favorite words in basketball, but they're using that physical nature of their play in order to, to accomplish a result. Your, your thoughts on, uh, on Baker and Skeens. Yeah, for sure. And sorry, guys, I got kicked out. Maybe I said something that the uh, basketball police didn't like. Well, that's that, you know, Uh, we we have our relationship with uh, Google, so they're probably monitoring everything. Go ahead, Doug. No, no, you're getting on. I mean, there's, I mean, I've had the privilege as most of us, as I think we all have, to watch Jordan Baker over the last close to 15 years. And so you get a sense of the kind of player that he is. And he is a big physical presence, but he is not, yeah, he's not Rick Mahorn. You're right. He's not Bill Lambeer, thank God. And, you know, <laughs> you know, plays, he plays a game that I think, again, I've seen it for years. He surprises people. I just think players that haven't seen him before, they're like, who is this guy? Like he comes up with every ball. He, we saw him in the third quarter yesterday. He starts knocking down shots all over the place. He can create his own shot. He's defensively so aware and back to what we said a few minutes ago, the high IQ piece that he has that and Brady Skeens is similar. I mean, just a similar smart understated player that isn't going to wow you going coast to coast and dunking over three guys, but he's going to be in your face all the time. And every time that you know, everywhere the ball is Brady Skeens is like, we've seen that already early in this season and just how much he impacts the game. And yeah, having those two guys together, I mean, again, back to what I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's just this, it's relentless pressure at both ends of the floor for 40 minutes. And I just don't think unless you have a really highly talented team, they just can't handle it. And Paul, you said it on both the last two broadcasts, the Ottawa game and the Saskatchewan game body language. And it's players like Skeens and Baker that force the other teams into that bad body language because they're like, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm sick and tired of, having to deal with getting boxed out by Baker every time or having to, every time there's a loose ball, there's two white jerseys in my face. Players hate that. And so you good, good players and good teams find a way to battle against that and push against it. Right now we haven't seen anyone able to do that, especially against those two players. Mark with uh, Xavier Moon, who is the you know fastest player in the league, uh, the most skilled player in the league, what do you think of his last two games where he has gone into the fourth quarter with a a sparse number of points relative to his average. And yet he leads, leaves the game leading the team in scoring. What does that say about what, what does that say about the level that he's capable of playing at? It just shows that what you just said shows he's the best player in the league. And he was named summer series MVP for a reason. 
I don't think he missed a shot in the fourth quarter last night against Saskatchewan. He can shoot from three. He can drive. He can pull up. There really isn't a weak part in his game offensively. And as a defender, like, well, what do you do? I think I looked at you guys a couple times in that fourth quarter and just laughed. Because what, what are you supposed to do when that guy can hit everything? I know I know. Doug made a video game reference last night. I'll make another one. He is NBA Jam when the ball is on fire. You don't know what you, – you just have to sit back and laugh because so explosive. And you, how you mentioned he had kind of pedestrian first three quarters. The depth of this team allowed Xavier Moon to have – a uh, pedestrian three quarters he didn't need to be shooting all of those shots in the first half of the game so just shows you how good I think this Edmonton team is that they have the best player in the league and they'd probably be they're 4-0 right now I don't know if they'd be 4-0 without Xavier Moon but they'd probably be 3-1 and I'd safe to say without Xavier Moon so it's just to 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 the riches go the spoils I I guess is the saying I'm trying to find the factor that I think, and this let's let's talk about this in the in the the, the final segment of the, of our conversation. I'm talking with Doug McLean, Mark Majot, who, along with myself, have had the opportunity and privilege to do the play by play for the Edmonton Stingers and the CEBL in the last three games of the of this opening part of the season. If I'm the rest of the league and I'm a GM in another city, I'm thinking, man. Who else is out there right now? We've got to add a couple of key people in a couple of key positions to have any shot whatsoever in a, in a championship environment to challenge this team. What do you think? And, and let's go away from the Skeens and uh, Baker uh, high IQ. If you're a team like, let's say, like Niagara, what do you think they need to add to be able to compete with the Stingers? Doug, I'll go to you first. Well, we didn't see Cassius Robertson here, and that might have been a big factor in that game. I know he's a key player for them, so they may have some of the bodies available to them that just, you know, obviously with some quarantine issues and, of course, Trey Bell Haynes off playing with the, uh, the Team Canada in Victoria trying to qualify for the Olympics. So they may have the pieces already because they're – I think we'd all agree. They're the team that of the ones that we've broadcast so far, they're the team that most closely can push back and battle the stingers. Although the stingers had a hot start, I think we're up 15 or 18 or something in the first quarter, first half. So, so they've got that ability. Um, Yeah. I think when you look at the other two teams, there's some talent there, but there's nobody that even comes close to me will take over a game with Saskatchewan or with Ottawa. And they just, yeah, and, and right now, Evans has got a few guys that can do that. We've seen that this week with Campbell last night in the first quarter, Peter McNeely on Monday in the first quarter. So they've got some bodies that can do it. I haven't seen that from Ottawa or Saskatchewan. And the thing, too, with those two teams, in a 14-game season, you can't be 0-4 and 0-5. You could probably make the playoffs. I mean, six teams are making the playoffs, but you're probably going to be in tough to get yourself in a position where you can really challenge. So I think Niagara's got a shot. They've got a pretty deep team. We'll see, but uh, for the two teams we've seen this week, they're they're going to be challenged, I think, to try to make a push. I think teams are going to try to need to find some size that can compete with with Edmonton. And I know it's easier said than done, but they you got to find guys that can take over games. As Doug mentioned, Cassius Robertson was probably a big miss for, for Niagara, but 
if you're looking, you're, you're going to need someone with size, someone who could take over a game, but I think you're also going to need someone who has a fearless type of aspect about them because basketball is a game of runs and we haven't really seen a team go on a run against Edmonton, but you're going to need to find someone who, you know, if you're down by double digits or say 15, 20 points, you're still going to need someone to try to get those shots. You know, if you hit a couple three point shots and you get a couple stops, you're right back in this game. Um, still obviously a big mountain to climb, but you're going to need, it's, I think other teams would wish we, they could clone a player like Xavier Moon or clone a player like, like Matthew Kamba because those guys do have that fearless type of gene in them. But you're going to need to find someone you need to you're going to need to find a David who is not afraid to go up against Goliath. And sometimes be, believing in yourself is half the battle, you know. Believing in yourself with talent yeah. is the battle. And I think that's where yeah. I, I think that's right now where they stop now. Here's the other side of it, an injury to a key player, uh, believing the hype about themselves. I mean, that's got to be one of the challenges the singers are going are, are gonna to be facing through the course of this season with everybody, you know, pretty much slobbering all over them and saying, telling everybody, oh, they're so good. It's just going to be a walk to the championship. Like what nobody else has a chance. If you start believing that, as you know, things can go sideways because one of the delicate balances that they're walking right now is everybody, they're not only happy winning, but they're doing a great job of distributing the ball. So a number of players are contributing to the W's like we've talked about. And so that kind of team selflessness and team ego versus individual ego has to maintain itself through the course of the season. All indicators is that it will, but got to play the games and other teams will make moves that that I think is what makes this CEBL season so much fun uh final question guys how great is it to have people back in the state in the seats watching a basketball game able to cheer for their team yeah it's great I mean it's uh it feels really I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, I was thinking even last, even just for us as broadcasters, I mean, Paul, you and I sitting right next to each other last night. And I was like, Oh, we haven't even been able to do that for 15 months where you can't like Paul's closer than six feet from me. Like, you know, even just little things like that. So the fact that we've got people in the stands and it was a good crowd last night, they've been vocal. I mean, it's a loud building. Yeah. It, it, it starts to feel like, I mean, not that we forget the last 15 plus months, but it starts to feel a little bit normal. And, and uh, that, I think at this point we'll take anything that resembles normal. When, anything when, with the N word is good. That that's yes. that was that's a good word now. That's for sure. When you look back to when bubble sports kind of started, the NBA, the NHL, all all that stuff, I think we all kind of convinced ourselves it was fine for a bit because we knew it wasn't going to be forever. So yeah, we all watched basically any sport we could as soon as they came back, but we knew there was certainly something missing. And I don't know about you guys, but part of the reason why I fell in love with sports in the first place was actually going to games and being in that environment, being in that atmosphere. Uh, it just adds an element that I can't really describe sports. It's fun to play with your buddies, but professional sports are meant to be played in front of crowds and the roar of the crowd. When you hit a shot, it's, they're almost as much of the game as the players themselves are. So 
Really, really cool early. Like to see the crowds get bigger and bigger and bigger. That crowd last night was outstanding. It was great to see people come out uh, on a Thursday night when it was 30 degrees. There's lots of other things to do in Edmonton, but it's great to see people show up to, to the Expo Center. So it's just nice to have, as you guys said, normal. It's We're slowly getting back to normal, and I, I absolutely love it. It really is bizarre to think, guys, how long we couldn't do that and how it just feels so normal to, to reuse that, that word that we've said often, how just good it feels again. And uh, let's just hope it continues and that, that, that the strategy that's out there right now works so we don't have to take another step back so people can build on this and continue gathering and having fun, whether it's uh, in a picnic, a wedding, or a basketball game. It doesn't really matter. Let's just hope that we can all continue to, to, to get together. Doug McLean, Mark Majot, thank you so much for joining me on the basketball show. Uh, this has been a, a riot working with you guys on the sideline. You're pros, you're good, you're funny, you're insightful. So it's an absolute pleasure. And, uh, and like I said, a privilege. It's been a lot of fun talking CEBL basketball today. I just want to add one more comment. I believe, I don't think I'm pulling the curtain too far back, but after the first game, we all worked together. We all just, right after it ended, we all kind of said, I haven't had that much fun in a long time. And I think that kind of sums up the first week we've had calling CEBL games. So true. So true. Doug, take care. Mark, Thanks, you Paul. as well. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. All right, guys. You've been listening to The Basketball Show. I'm your host, Paul Sir. Thanks again to Doug McLean and Mark Majot for joining me today. I want to thank Kyle Julius, and of course I want to thank Doug and Mark for joining me today on this special edition. The CEBL is off to a great start. It is Canada's professional league. It's a summer, it's a summer league, and it has the Elam ending, which makes the games very, very interesting. So I would encourage everyone to watch any and all of the CEBL games on CBC Gem, CEBL Plus, and on the CBC main network when the nationally televised games are available. I'm your host, Paul Sir. Thanks so much for joining me on the Basketball Show Canada edition. I'm going to be back with you real soon talking NBA and all things basketball on the Basketball Show Network. Have a great day, enjoy the summer, and we'll talk with you soon. 